Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to jump straight in. Uh, would you turn with me and stand, if you're able, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. We'll start reading at verse 3, and uh, we'll also have it on the screen behind me. The New Living Translation says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said, and he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Now jump to verse 12. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, We are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. And here's the good news, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. And verse 22, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. This morning, with God's help, I want to speak to you about the promise of new life. The promise of new life. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you that the word in and of itself is power to our life. And God, I thank you that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the very power of God saving everyone who believes. And Father, this morning I pray that we would understand the new life that we have in Christ. Lord, anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart, Lord, for this incredible opportunity I have to communicate your word to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Paul was in this passage writing to the church in Corinth to believers who were doubting or denying the resurrection. And so he was writing this letter to the people there to to reassure them of the fact that no, this ministry is not in vain. Christ really rose. And this is a fact. And uh, we didn't read it, but in verse 6, there's actual eyewitnesses, not just one, not just the disciples, because 
people, skeptics, could say, yeah, but, you know, those are his, his disciples. They could just say whatever they wanted. But here's the thing. In verse 6, it lets us know that he was seen by over 500 people, more than 500 people, eyewitnesses, in one moment, in one instance, in one appearing. And so uh, 500 people can't be wrong, right? If you can't say, well, no, Pastor John wasn't in church today. Why? Because we have all of these eyes that said, no, he stood on the platform. He talked. He talked a lot, but, but he was in church. And this is the beauty of Scripture is that it, it gives us a historical account of the resurrection. It's a historical account. And so when we read the book of Acts, and by the way, on Friday night with our young adults, uh, we've been walking since September through the book of Acts. We're in chapter 19. We just finished this Friday. Some of the young adults are going, yeah. Uh, but we're taking our time. And every sermon that we've come across in the book of Acts has three key components. And, and my young adults know this already. And I'll share them with you. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In essence, this is the heart of the gospel. Amen? The death burial and the resurrection a lot of times we've made it way too complicated and we've made it something that uh, God just intended to be very simple that he sent his son because he loved us he died but then he rose again the death burial and the resurrection and in verse 14 we read it, it says this and if Christ has not been raised our preaching is useless but so is your faith if Christ never rose then what's the point of us gathering as the church? It, it, would be a, it would be a dead religion at that point. But the fact is that Jesus rose from the grave and he conquered the powers of sin, death, hell, and the grave. And so as believers today, we relate with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Why and how? As we are called to die to our self. Our old sinful nature has to die so that we could enjoy and experience new life in Christ. And you might say, okay, but why? Maybe, maybe this is the first time you're hearing this kind of preaching out of the Word of God. But in other words, we're talking about the promise of new life. If it, the promise of new life requires you to die to yourself so that you might find new life in Christ. Let me give it to you this way, by way of an example. Um, according to Natural Resources Canada, the official website, uh, they say this, and I quote, Forest fires often stimulate new growth. Forest fires, right, they are devastating. I remember Redding, California, uh, a couple of months back in 2018, where the fires were raging, and I have lots of friends that, that live there, and uh, the, the posts on Instagram and everything, it was just, it looks so horrible. You see the smoke and the fire, everything's being consumed and burned to a crisp. And you could see, right, it's a little hard maybe on this picture, but the right side is the after, uh, the, the side on the left is before, but you can see like, it looks like there was life and, and greenery and all that. The fire happens and you're left, left with not much. But the reality is, and here's the, how it breaks down. I quote, Natural Resources Canada. Fire, the primary change agent in the boreal zone, is as crucial to forest renewal as the sun and rain. 
forest fires release valuable nutrients stored in the litter on the forest floor. They open the forest canopy to sunlight, which stimulates new growth. They allow some tree species to reproduce, opening their cones and freeing their seeds. So take a, a lesson from the forest fires that this is actually, I mean, it's, it's a bad thing maybe as we watch it, but it has a lot of good that comes out. When that forest dies, it creates a new opportunity for new life to grow and for that vegetation to grow back. And those cones open up again, freeing the seeds to do what they were created to do. I submit to you that the only way we can be made new is if something old dies in us. Something old has to die. The only way we can put on new life is if we put off the old life. If you take notes, point number one is put off. Point number one, put off. Put off. You know, as a father, my kids sometimes say, Daddy, give me a piggyback ride. My son is almost seven, and he weighs, I don't know, like 50 pounds. And, you know, you don't realize how heavy they are until they jump on your back and you try to run up the stairs. Uh, and I'm thinking, this is, this is hard. Like, I, this weight, I almost can't carry it anymore. But why do we do that with sin? Some of us, that, this is what we're doing. We're carrying the weight of sin day to day when Jesus already died and said, give it to me. I've already paid the price for it. But we go through life and we're trying and it's hard and, and, and we're doing our best, but we trip and we stumble. But point number one, we have to put it off, put it off, pull it off. In Hebrews, there's that illustration of running the race, and we strip off everything that will hinder us so that we can run the race to win it. And, and we've been called as believers to win. Why? Because when you read the back of the book, we win. If you're with Jesus, you win. The devil is defeated, and he'll be cast into the lake of fire, but but we're on the winning side. Jesus, I remind us, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? The church is not this brick and mortar building. This is our gathering place. But I just want to remind every single person and every believer here that you are the church. We are the church. And so we won't lose. Jesus said, I will build my church. Stop looking at the roof and the carpet and the, and the, the brick. Start looking at the people. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's you and that's me, friend. And so we have to put off. I want to look at what Ephesians chapter 4 says, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. I want to just say that part again, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So my old nature, the sinful nature, has sinful ways and habits and patterns and desires. But verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Ephesians is reminding us, don't, don't keep the old nature with you. Put it off. Put it off. And now let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. 
And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, get this, now we also may live new lives. And so the work that Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection was so that you don't have to experience the weight of sin any, any longer or the power of sin and its stronghold in your life. Why? Because he killed it. He defeated it. Now how do I live? I put it off and now I put on the new life in Christ Jesus which changes me from the inside out. I talk differently as a result. I walk differently. I maybe smell differently, hopefully, than before. But the reality is, this is a new creation. And I'm not the same as I used to be. For we died and were buried with Christ. On April 28th, this is our baptismal tank back here. A week after Easter, we are going to have a baptismal service. We have five people already getting baptized. Praise the Lord. By the way, if after this message, maybe some of you will understand and say, you know what, I need to be baptized in water. I've never done it before. Um, you could do it on the new website, by the way. Fill out the form digitally. If you want the paper method, you could still do that at guest services. Don't worry. But here's the, here's the picture. As you go down into the waters of baptism, right, we're identifying with the, the death and burial of Christ. But then as you're raised out of the waters, that's representative of Jesus' resurrection, which to us is the new life that we now have in Christ Jesus. That's the symbolism of April 28th. When this, is, it's, this doesn't save you, by the way. The water is, is not holy water. It's, it's just regular water from, from the city. But, but what's special is the symbolism. I'm identifying with Christ, that I'm dead to the person I used to be. And now I'm raised to new life in Christ, never to be the same again. This is what Christ has done. So if you're a believer, let me just put it this way. If you're a believer, but you've never taken this step, I don't view them as two separate events. If you believe, you get baptized. And, and if you think, well, listen, Jesus modeled it for us. He didn't have to. But he modeled water baptism for us, and he asked John the Baptist to baptize him. And John said, I'm not even worthy to do it. But he did it because Jesus asked him to. So you don't have any excuse. If you believe in Jesus, get baptized. I'm married to my wife. I put the ring on because this is the outward symbol of the inward commitment. The same is true of baptism. But number one, put off. We have to put off the old life. Listen, will temptation come? Yeah, it still does. I'm a pastor. You don't think I'm, I'm still human. I'm not superhuman, right? If you put yourself in the wrong environment, sure, you'll be tested. You'll be tempted. So you have to be wise as well. Don't, don't put yourself in compromising situations. I'll never forget where uh, one day I got a, a phone call from one of our young adults. This was several years back. And they said, are you at the church? I need to come talk to you right away. I said, yeah, I'm here. Come. And they came and they, they looked shaken. They said, I was in the middle of a party. I was about to do stuff that I never thought I would be in, in the atmosphere or the moment of saying yes. And they said, in the moment, and I said, that's the Holy Spirit, number one, by the way, that prompt or that. Uh, and, and they said, I, I had to run out of that place. 
because I was about to give in. And I won't go into all the details, but they shared with me the, the struggle. And I said, so the moral of the story, number one, thank you, Holy Spirit, for the prompt. But number two, don't, don't go to those places. Don't put yourself in that environment where it can, not that it always does, but where it can lead to a situation where if your guard is down, you might feel like that old person that you're trying to put off. The old life creeps back in. And let me tell you, this is what the flesh does. And you can't get rid of the, 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 the pull inside of you, but I can tell you how you can win against it. The Spirit. The Spirit of God. And through Christ, He defeated the hold that sin has on your life. Now, I'm speaking the truth, but you need to grasp it for yourself. Because until you understand that Jesus broke the power of sin in your life, you're going to feel like you're, you're always a slave to the sin. But you have to understand, Christ died to set you free. That you are free indeed. And you don't have to live as a slave to sin. But you, you make sin your slave. And it's under your feet in Jesus' name. I heard one of my friends preach. He's a great preacher. But he said, if you don't get rid of sin, sin will get rid of you. And so number one, put it off. Put off the old nature and all of its desires and lusts and cravings. Don't give in to it. I want to even say this. Some of you might, might have a, a smoking, uh, I don't want to say addiction. Maybe it is a challenge. It's the taste. I'm not saying that it's sin. But what I will say is it's still a little stronghold in your life. Like you smell it and the craving comes back. For some of us, it might be food. It might be like you can't stop eating. I don't know. But I just want you to know you don't have to be a slave to that. But as long as you submit yourself to it, that this is how it's going to happen. But you have to take authority in Jesus' name and recognize, oh, no, 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 this doesn't control me. Because Christ gave me authority and power and strength that I can actually withstand. And it's going to be under my feet in Jesus' name. Listen, this is preaching this is God's Word. This isn't a self-help talk. I just want to make sure that we understand the difference, right? I can give you three keys to staying fit or, or you know, three steps to take to kick old habits. But what I'm preaching is from the Word of God, that Christ died so that we could be free. So this is way better. It lasts way longer because this is 2,000 years old, but it still holds true today. Put it off. Put it off. You have to learn to say no. You know how they say, like, oh, I'm a yes person. I, I say yes all the time. Well, we have to learn to say no to, to many things so we could say yes to the great things. And, and they might be some good things in life. But in this specific context, we have to learn to say no so that we can say yes to new life in Jesus' name. So number one, put off. Can you guess number two? Put on. Right? Put on new life put on new life. Look at Colossians 3.10. It's on the screen. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. So my question is, do you know your Creator? Do you know your Creator? Some, some of you say yes. Some of you are like, is this a trick question? I'm not sure. Well, I'm, it's okay. I'm going to just walk you through uh, some, some scripture this morning that's going to help us understand because I believe uh, some of us need to understand who God is as creator and how he can make things new. 
I want to say this. God can create something out of not much. Out of not much. You might be here today and feel like, you know, even through worship, you're like, yeah, I don't have much to offer God. You know, I, I, my best doesn't compare to everyone else's best. Mine's subpar. Listen, we're not called to compare one another. This is something I always have to remind myself and remind my wife as, as we live life. Listen, we don't look at others and see how God's blessing them. No, we look at where we are at, what we are called to do, and, and we remain faithful to Him in this way. This is what we're called to do. In our worship, we're called to give our best. doesn't matter. My best might be different than your best. Who, so stop comparing what what might feel like not much in your hand or in your life, I want you to know God can create something beautiful because He's the Creator. He's the, he's the Creator. And so God, God can create something out of not much. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We, we maybe have heard that a lot of times growing up in church. God created created. That, that word in Hebrew is bara. Everyone say bara. Right? It sounds nice. Say one more time. Bara. Right? So God created the heavens and the earth. Bara in Hebrew. And that word bara means to create, to shape, or to form. But here's the cool part. It's always tied back to the creator. Right? You can't have this guitar without a creator. Correct? We all agree? Right? So someone had to, this is a Yamaha guitar, someone at Yamaha had to create the guitar. And so when we talk about bara, to create, to shape, or to form, it is tied. You can't separate it from its creator. And so this word that's used in Genesis 1-1 is to shape and to fashion is of heaven and earth, of individual man, of new conditions and circumstances, or of transformations, of transformations, bara. But here's something um, that we need to understand. This is who God is, and it's what He does. So you can't separate you from your Creator either. You catch the connection. You are created by Him. And so today, you have to understand that this new life I'm putting on, God is actually helping you in creating your life brand new. And we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures to help understand. But I want you to just continue to think about God's nature as the creator. Isaiah 43, verse 15. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. Don't miss it, Creator. Verse 16, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. Stop right there. So is that natural? No. You can't create a path through the Red Sea. It, it doesn't happen, but God's the Creator, and He could make it happen. Not only can He make the waters part, but you can walk on the dry ground. And so, Bara, He's the Creator. Verse 17, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But I love verse 18, as great as that is, but forget all that. 
forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. And I will, here it is, create rivers in the dry wasteland. God as creator could do the impossible. You might be here today thinking, me? Pastor John, that's, that sounds nice, but do you really know what I've done? Do you know my story? Do you know the wrong that I've done to people? Do you know the sins I've committed? Do you know the crimes maybe I've committed? And, and you're thinking, yeah, to put off, to put on, that's, that's impossible in my situation. I want you to know that God is the creator and he can do a new thing like this in your life. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, all to you I surrender. Everything. My past, my present, and my future. I put off to put on. But unless I'm willing to part ways with who I was, I can never fully embrace who God is making me and calling me to be, to put on the new life. See, I love verse 18, but forget all that. Some of you, maybe you experienced a move of God or you encountered God in your younger years, in, when you were 18, 19, 20s maybe, and you've been in church, but that, that relationship has just been stagnant like, a, like a, just a puddle of water. There's no new life coming out of that, right? Or a, a stagnant pond. But where there's fresh water, there's fresh life. There are fish that swim there. You need to, to say, God, Come again, afresh and anew. I surrender everything. Forget the past former glory. A lot of us here, I want to be frank and very honest and to the point with you this morning. We get too romantic about yesterday's blessings. Can I hear an amen? Oh, when I was young, we would spend time at the altar. That's awesome. What are you doing today? I'm going to be real. That's awesome. Me too. In my teen years, I encountered God. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Bible college after praying and asking the giver to give me that gift. But guess what? We, those, are the, those are days gone by. And I believe that God has so much more to pour out. So when he's telling Israel, I did this for you, I did this for you, but forget all that because, see, I'm about to do a new thing. So we need to put off not that we forget the blessing and, and we don't disgrace and dishonor those things. Absolutely not. We're grateful. But here's the truth. We have to be able to say, that was yesterday, but God has something today. Now I need to embrace and get ready for what he has. Forget all of that. I'm about to do a new thing. Can somebody say amen? And God can do for you what you can't even do for yourself. So don't try to do it on your own strength and power. It was already done on the cross. Jesus did it for you. We're going to wrap up this message today by talking about the eagle. And then, has anyone here ever seen an eagle, like first, first hand, up close? I have yet to see one up close, but I've been, you know, in a, the vicinity of. But here's a picture of, of an eagle, a majestic bird that, that is to be feared and revered, I'm told. But the story of the eagle goes like this. That it can live up to 70 years, which is incredible. I'm like, I hope I live that long, and I will in Jesus' name. 
But nearing its 40th year, the eagle has an important decision to make. Here's the reality. Its talons are long and flexible, so it can no longer grab its food like it once used to. The beak, which was pointy and sharp, is now very curved and pronounced that it can't use it like it once did. And then its wings, which obviously it uses to fly at great height, become very big and start to stick to its chest. This is by age 40. So it has the difficult decision to make. Do I want to live another 30 years or so to get to 70? Or is this the end? And so when it does make the, the painful decision, those are the two options. This is what it does when it chooses to live. It flies up high, back to its nest. And this is what it does. It begins to beat its beak against the rock. And it keeps, keeps at it till that beak eventually falls off. And it waits now for that beak to grow afresh and anew, a brand new beak. Once that beak has grown out, it then starts to pluck its talons out one after another. Could you imagine if someone pulled out your, your fingernails, your toenails? I don't want to think about it, but it does it to itself. And then what happens? The, the talons start to grow back. And then lastly, part three, number three, is it starts to pluck its feathers out. And then new feathers grow. And once the feathers are all grown in, that eagle takes its inaugural first, second, flight, like a brand new bird, ready to live another 30 years. And you see, we can take that example and apply to us, like why is that change needed? Well, to survive and to live, right? We too have to start the change process in our lives. The work of the cross is a finished work. It's once and for all. But we have work to do. We have a responsibility. Maybe we have to pluck our unpleasant memories of the past, the negative habits. We have to pluck them out. We have to leave them aside. And those, maybe those fixed mindsets that we've had. And only when we are free of our past burdens can we take advantage of the present and of Jesus' invitation of new life. We have to be willing to part ways with those painful memories, the pain of the past. And I believe that there may, there may be some people here where it's just a locked up place in your heart where you don't let anyone in and you don't let God in. And it's just a, an area of struggle that you, that you deal with. I want you to know that Jesus cares about you, that he loves you so much, that he, he sent his son to set you free, that you don't have to... Keep a room locked up in the area of your heart. But that he loves you so he can set you free so that you too can soar as high as an eagle. And listen, the promise of new life is not an exclusive promise. It's only given though to those who call upon the name of the Lord. And I want to end with two scriptures and then we're going to give an opportunity. If there's anyone here who wants to give their life to Jesus, we'll give an opportunity in a moment. But listen, Psalm 51 verse 10, David, he, he sinned. He was the king appointed by God. And the Bible, how it describes it, 
is that at a time when kings should have been at war, David chose to stay home. So number one, he was in the wrong, wrong area. He should not have been home. He should have been at war with the rest of his army. But as he's there, he sees Bathsheba on the roof, and she's bathing. It's funny that her first letters of her name spell the word bath, and she's bathing. Just a side note, my mind just thinks in funny ways to help remember things like that. But the reality is, he sins. He commits murder. He has a baby because he got her pregnant. Like, if you want a, a relatable story, this happens in our world all the time. Men cheat on uh, a spouse or it's like their best friend's wife. All these scenarios. I'm not going to try to name specific things. But David sinned, and it was pretty bad for a man of his stature over the nation appointed by God. And yet he sinned. And Psalm 51 verse 10 we see his prayer of repentance, basically. But I just want to read this one verse. This is what David prayed. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit or a loyal spirit within me. Remember the word bara, right? Bara, to create. David is saying, God, don't just wash the existing heart I have with soap. He's saying, bara, create in me a heart that was never there to begin with. Make it brand new in me. And I want you to know this morning, I don't care what your past looks like. Because God can create a brand new today and future for you. And David said, create in me a clean heart. That means he's saying, God, create what doesn't exist right now. And God can do that for you. He can renew a right spirit within you. Where, where you maybe feel like, ah, I'm one foot in the world, one foot serving the Lord. No, he can renew that spirit within you that serves the Lord wholeheartedly. Ezekiel 36, and I close with this. And I will give, verse 26, and I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This is what God is saying in Ezekiel as a prophetic word. But through Christ, this is what he's doing inside of you as you believe. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, that anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new person or a new creation, right? Linking back to who God is as our creator. The old life is gone. And behold, all things are made new. And God is the one who does the work in your heart and in your life. This morning, you've heard the word of the Lord, and I want to ask you the question, have you given your heart to Christ? Think about it. Does he hold your life in his hands? Are you still wearing the old you when God has called you to new life in Christ? Remember, number one, put it off so that you could put on the new life that he's given. 
You want to live free? Give it all to Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.